When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy, and as always, Ben Ayton. Ben, it's ten past seven on Thursday morning. How are you doing this morning? Watford won last night. We did win last night, mate. A very routine performance. Uh, got the result that we needed, especially after the weekend's um, defeat at Bournemouth. It's, we needed a reaction and we saw that last night. So, yeah, delighted with the three points. And we can take that into a forest game at the weekend. But yeah, I'm currently sat at Gaybridge Park um, recording this because I, I don't want to wake up my missus and that. And I look a bit dodgy when I sit outside my front door in the, in my car. So I've driven to Gaybridge Park to record this and I'm just watching the water flow and ducks swimming and all that. So it's quite oh, a nice mate. setting. Especially but after yeah, last week, all those, yeah. all that duck chat. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a duck that evening, unfortunately. No. <laughs> but I, I must say... Um, Congratulations to you, mate. Um, you represented the podcast last night. You went on WD18 um, with Jacob, Sam and Sean, and you absolutely smashed it last night. If you haven't watched it already, guys, um, go on to Mike's Twitter. He's um, t- tweeted about it on there, and it's a really good watch. So, yeah, really proud of you, mate. You smashed it last night. Oh, thank you very much, mate. Thank you very much. It sounds like you got the, uh, the scenic views. I, as always, am in my dining room uh, recording this, so no water or any ducks around that I know of anyway not unless, <laughs> not unless a cat drags one in um, so yeah um, obviously we'd, we'd always start with the game itself well the team news from the game but before doing so we obviously heard the news in the week that um, ex-Watford player and manager Glenn Roder sadly passed away on Sunday evening um, after the age, uh, at the age sorry of 65 he had a long battle with a brain tumour um, Rhoda was a bit before my time. I, I don't know if you ever remember, sort of, did you ever go to any games under Glen Rhoda, Ben? Or? Uh, no, I didn't. I, my first games were under Graham Taylor, but right. I've heard great things of the great man. Yeah, well, he joined Watford on a free transfer, Glen Rhoda did, from Newcastle in 1989. Went on to make 78 appearances and scored twice. And then, of course, he went on to manage Watford between... 1993 and 1996 so uh, our thoughts are with his friends and family at, at this tough time no doubt and he will go down in uh, Watford history as as Ben has just said you know the amount of stories that have come out recently I think he signed Kevin uh, he signed Kevin Phillips he signed uh, he signed Tommy Mooney so you know you, you look at the players and a lot of players have got a lot of good things to say about him so uh, a massive massive loss there Ben Wilmot um, as well um, yeah he was he was the assistant manager at Stevenage when Ben Wilmot just oh, broke okay. through to the first team as well. Um, ben Wilmot did an interview with um, Watford website. If you haven't seen it already, you go have a look on there. It was really interesting to see what he was saying about Glenn Rodridge. So, yeah, it, it's just not the older players. It's the younger ones that he's touched a heart on as well. So, yeah, yeah. very interesting and very sad news to hear about the past um, of um, Glenn Roder. Absolutely. And, you know, before the match, obviously, a minute applause and... Um, we were hoping that we could get the win for, for Glen Roder and, and luckily we did. Um, starting with the, the team news itself, they, this was an interesting one. There was, you know, everyone on social media was like, right, there's no Pedro, there's no Chalaba. So we expect it will just be a straight swap. Zinconagel for, um, not Zinconagel, sorry, Gosling for Chalaba and then Parizza for, for Pedro. That was the hoop. Um, and then possibly Truce to Kong to come back in. Uh, one of those three happened. So the changes from Saturday were Cathcart was out, Trooster Kong was in, Zinkenagel was in for his first league start, and Chalabert was out, obviously, because of being suspended. And then the big one, uh, no Parizza. Parizza was on the bench, unfortunately. Andre Gray coming in for Jao Pedro. Now, Ben, before knowing what went on to happen, 
what were your overall thoughts on those changes from Saturday? I think the centre-back partnership, we, we sort of get that that's fine. But um, maybe even with the, you know, Zink and Argley in the middle uh, and then Andre Gray as well. Um, uh, yeah, fully expected for one rotation change at the back that we've seen with our centre-backs this season. So fully expected Cathcart to drop out and True Secon to come in. I was happy with that because I thought True Secon is a better defender than Cathcart, so he would give us a bit more solidity at the back. So I was, I was pleased with that. Um, Chalaber being out of the side, it was like, oh, who's going to come in? We was all expecting Dan Gosling, but uh, we found out... Um, when the team was announced, uh, Dan Goslin was actually out with a minor hamstring strain. So that's why he wasn't included in the starting lineup. Um, so then it was like, oh, well, are you yeah. going to pair in the middle? But it, it was Inconegro that got the role in the middle of the park. He, he was given the number 10 role. Um, so he slotted in the midfield three with uh, Chalobah and Hughes. And then, yeah, the big one was um, Andre Gray starting ahead of um, Stipe Parisio. A, a lot of Watford fans would have wanted and called for um i'll hold my hands up i, I wanted Parisia to start i think you've said yeah, on twitter yeah. as well you you wanted Parisia to start i think every Watford fan would have yeah. chose Parisia to start um but cisco milner says he's got a soft spot for andre gray he's he started in previously in games and he, he trusted his player and gave him the responsibility last night and boy did he take his his, his try chance yeah absolutely and we'll, we'll get onto that in a minute but obviously wickham coming to vicarage roads we've obviously got the best home record in the league wickham have got the worst away record in the league i believe and uh, they sit bottom of the league anyway uh, but we know that Usually with bottom of the league teams, you can sort of expect a game where they may be not much up to the fight. But Wickham seem to always be up for the fight. You know, we know full well from the reverse fixture, Ben, where, you know, we went to Adams Park and we were lucky to come away with a draw. You know, they had a goal disallowed, which I think perfectly was like, it should have perfectly stood. Uh, But we got away with one massively. So... We knew that this wasn't going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and in the first 10 minutes, they had a couple of dangerous early corners. That Jacobson's got one hell of a delivery on him. But the first 10 minutes, Ben, they, they were really knocking on the door. They they were looking like a side that were sort of, well, not bottom of the league, weren't they? Yeah, well, the opposite happened to the Bournemouth game where maybe the first 10, yeah. 15 minutes, we started really fast and quick out the blocks and we dominated possession. We was creating chances. Last night, it was it was a bit different. I don't know if that was because maybe we was missing Chalabra in midfield, who kind of sets the tempo a little bit as well. Maybe we was missing him and trying to get Zinkan Eagle into the game a bit more. But it, it was a slower start from Watford. And like you say, Jacobson, everything was coming through him last night. He's a dangerous guy on set pieces. I think that's where he's pretty much made a career for himself um, for Wickham. He just scores loads of free kicks, even scores corners direct from the corners. Um, He's done about three or four times in his career. So yeah, very deadly on um, set pieces. And when you got a guy of the presence of Ute Pizia, who used to be at Watford um, but we signed from Reading when he was released as a youngster uh, he, he's a handful so you just want to be putting balls into that box fighting them up to him and getting his head on the end of it and yeah he made himself known last night didn't he he certainly did. You know, he had a point to prove there, Ben. I think he mentioned, he did an interview with someone for the reverse fixture saying how he wasn't best pleased at how his time at Watford went and how he was treated. Uh, so, you know, he, coming back to the Vic, granted he never made a first-team appearance there, he, he had a point to prove last night. He wanted to sort of be like, right, this is what you've missed out on. This, this is what I'm about. And uh, he certainly put himself about. But that first 10 minutes or so, as you say, Jacobson, Brilliant delivery, set pieces. I think he scored in the playoff final for Wickham when they beat Oxford. Uh, but I saw a very funny um, comparison. We um, For the podcast, as, as you know, we, we interview uh, opposition podcasts or blogs or whatever. And for the reverse fixture, we interviewed a podcast called... They've now changed their name to JJ's Left Foot, which is obviously <laughs> referring to Joe Jacobson's Left Foot. They obviously always... Like talk of him very highly but last night they said 
Ismail Assar up against Joe Jacobson. He's like putting a Ferrari up against a tractor. Uh, and that absolutely <laughs> made that made me laugh so much. Um but yeah, it was a, it was it was an interesting watch. I, I think they they were pretty decent. Well, Saar was decent. We'll talk about Semmer in a bit, I'm sure. But yeah, so after that early bit of pressure, Ben, Feminia does what Feminia does best, carries the ball forward, gets that cross in, and who's there? But Andre Gray, 14 minutes on the clock. Andre Gray scores his first goal for, I should have probably had the stats in front of me, but I don't know how long it was for. It was for a long <laughs> time, I know that. But yeah, Ben, um, and do you know what? He hit it cleanly as well. And it wasn't one of these where it bubbled around and hit off him and went in. He actually scored the goal. Um, I thought he took the goal very well. And obviously, credit to Kiko as well for, for getting that delicious crossing. Yeah, once again, it was great link-up play between Saar and Kiko. Um, Saar playing in Kiko, um, gets the ball out of his feet straight away and then the delicious ball across the six-yard box and Andre Gray showing great movement and desire to get on the end of it. And like you say, a really good connection onto the end of that. We've seen Andre Gray before this season where he might have sliced it or it might have gone through his legs or not, but the run was perfect timing and the connection was good as well. And that was a really good finish for Andre Gray. I think that's harder than some people might think um, yeah, yeah. running onto it like that as well. So yeah, fair play to him. And I was really pleased that it went in last night. And I was like, I hope it just lifts some shackles off him after that mm. um, because and and we we saw that afterwards as well I thought his overall game all last night was brilliant um I kind of wanted him to go on to get the, the hat trick ball in the end yeah yeah I think like you summed it up perfectly I think every Watford fan I, you mentioned at the start there I went on to that onto a WD18 and they asked me about Andre Gray and I said you know what I says I'll hold my hands up. We've been no strangers to giving him a bit of stick and, and not being happy with his performances, as have most Watford fans. But that's not to say I wasn't one of the most delighted Watford fans in the world with a massive smile on my face when he scored them them two goals. Because obviously he's, he's done a lot of things in lockdown, which he's, you know, it's very stupid of him to do, breaking lockdown rules twice. Um, but, he obviously is suffering confidence-wise. And that goal against Coventry, we thought, OK, it's gone off his backside and gone in, but they all count. Obviously, nothing happened after that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward for him now. But I, I think that will definitely... And it shows the team unity as well, Ben, where when he scored, everyone went up to him and like was hugging him and, and whatnot. So, you know... It really, really, I hope it does sort his confidence levels out to get a brace. And it doesn't matter that it was against bottom of the league, Wigan, uh, Wickham, sorry. It does not matter, you know, to, to score two goals. And in the calibre of which he took them as well is, is the main thing. So, yeah, delighted for Andre to get his seconds of the season. And, you know, hopefully, as you said, we, we were hoping that he was going to create a few more chances because we have said on this pod in the past that, if Andre's going to play, this this system we're playing at the moment is going to suit him best. But obviously, we went 1-0 up. That was on the 14th minute. Um, they kept piling in those um, you know, set pieces. And every time the ball was in the air in our half, I really, really feared because of Ikpiza up top. And they've got some big players. Um, I think they had a set piece which just avoided the head of Ikpizu. Um, on another day, you know, he could have got maybe two or three. Uh, probably could have got a penalty as well, which we'll touch upon. Um, and then and, and the next Watford chance I can really think of, Ben, cleverly picked Messina out with a, a, a nice cross. And Messina, again, he uh, probably needs to put a few hours in on the training pitch practicing header in because he can't, he couldn't direct his header goldwards. Um, and probably the, that was our best chance again. And then obviously you've got the, the other one, which I'm thinking is when Saar tried to curl it and he, he bent it just wide. Um, but we we were making, we were creating chances and while for the for the first half and while Wickham looked well when they had the ball in terms of physicality and they looked dangerous when the ball was in the air, they never really sort of challenged us. I don't think, I, without looking at the stats, I don't actually think they had a shot and target in the whole game. But, would you say that first half, Ben, would you say we, we were comfortable enough without having to sort of maybe go 2-3, 2-0 up or so to sort of put the sword in the game? 
or do you think we were comfortable enough because Wickham weren't really knocking on the door, so to speak? Um, I, f- I felt it was a comfortable first half performance, but like other Watford fans I've seen on Twitter say, we needed a second goal. Um, yeah. We couldn't have relied on just a 1-0 win against Wickham because with their set pieces, it, it did look a threat. They did look dangerous. It, it, it was causing us problems. We dealt with most of them really well, but mm. there was a couple of times that we did struggle with dealing with a ball in the air, but it was a comfortable enough first half performance. Like you say, we, we had a lot of Good chances that maybe we could have got the second goal from cleverly had a shot from the edge of a box it was blocked for yeah. a corner it was an inch perfect long ball from Backman what a fantastic oh, ball that was to wow. find Saar yeah. to run onto that Saar had about 50 yards to catch up on Jacobson but like <laughs> you say when, when you're a Ferrari against a tractor the Ferrari's <laughs> going to win but was that a penalty or not he went down and nah. the referee didn't give it nah, I, I didn't think I it was I thought it, the momentum of Saw, I think maybe he just lost his legs a little bit and went down um, so yeah no penalty for me but yeah Wickham looked dangerous from set pieces um, and then Saw, like you say he had that curling effort but bent into the top corner of the the Vicarage Road end stand um, <laughs> instead of a goal um, yeah. but yeah it, it was a good first half performance I had no really, really complaints she would have made me feel more comfortable having a two-goal lead at half-time. Absolutely. And, and not to forget as well, it's just popped in my mind, that Zinkenaga ball from the middle of the pitch to Sema, um, to Saar, sorry, oh, it literally yes. was inch perfect. Like, he's, he's hit it and he's put dip on it, but when it's dipped, it's literally landed at Saar's feet. It's not bounced yeah. before him, it's not bounced just behind him directly at Sar's feet, but he couldn't get his feet sorted. Probably could have played Andre in, would have been one-on-one, who knows. But as soon as Sar got the ball, the Wiccan players just swarmed around him, so he couldn't do anything in the end. But yeah, yeah It was a, lo- a lovely weighted pass from Zinquinida, wasn't it? Yeah, and it found mate. Sar, he, he drove to the uh, byline, he got the ball across the box and it was stocked there and got fingertips on it that just pushed it away from Gray because Gray was almost on to the end of it. And then the ball fell to Ken Semmer and his shot was blocked by Grimmer and it was just like, oh, we just need that goal. Yeah, exactly. But I think like, like many Watford fans... When we're winning 1-0, we always think, please get a second. Please please make sure there's no one goal cushion in it because it scares the living daylights out of us and our hearts can't take it anymore. Um, but at half-time, obviously, went in 1-0, a 70% possession. Probably the most we've had at half-time so far. Four yes, shots, mad. one on target. Um, four shots for Wickham, zero on target. Three corners for Wickham, two for Watford. 104 passes for Wickham, 259 for Watford. I remember seeing a stat once. I think it was Wickham's opening game of the season. They played Rotherham and it was 1-0 to Rotherham. The ball was in play a total of 45 minutes. The rest of it was spent like out of play, whether it's out for throwing, <laughs> goal kick, corner. It's absolutely mad. you know. They, but do you know what? I actually like Wickham. I, I, I really like them because they're not one of these sides that have come up and thought, you know, we'll we'll be a bit timid and and sort of back off. They really give it to you. And they've yeah, they've given it a good go. Well. Yeah, given um, it a good go, and you'd expect that from a Gareth Ainsworth team as well. Yeah. And I, I, I like their manager as well. And he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, really good guy. Um, I didn't know he was in the band. Did you? <laughs> I, do you know what? I I didn't. But if you'd have told me then I wouldn't have been surprised because he does look the type and he's he's clubber on the sidelines, absolutely class. He wears yeah, leather jackets with like boots and all that and I'm thinking no other man could get away with it but yeah, he's in a rock band apparently. So um, fair play to him. But yeah, the, um, the second half started and I think that still stood what you said, Ben, the objective was we need goal number two to really kill this game. As I've said, you know, we weren't really getting threatened sort of in terms of um, shots on target, at least. We weren't really getting threatened like that by Wickham, but we, we definitely needed a second just to give the lads a bit more breathing space. But bloody hell, the second half started ever the other way, Ben. They had the <laughs> ball in the net and um, I'd, I'm not sure that was offside. Nah, neither am I. I think we possibly got away with one. If that was in the Prem and VAR, it, I'd probably show that it was actually onside there. Like I said, 
we was kind of dealing with the long balls into a box, but not completely. And that, that was what I was alluding to. It was it was a long ball from Stockdale. I think Wickham got the flick on and there was Wheeler on the end of it to turn it home. Mm-hmm. But luckily, the, the linesman's flag went off. But yeah, then Batman picked up a, a little knock from it. It looked like he got studs across his knee. He's going to be sore this morning. Yeah, they're, they're painful ones, aren't they? That mm. knee's going to balloon up in size. But yeah. thankfully, he was able to continue because otherwise it would have been... Rob Elliott coming on for his Watford debut, and I thought he, he probably would have done all right, but you wouldn't have wanted to swap goalkeepers at that point. But no. yeah, that, that was a, another slow start to the second and a half. And that um, Dislow goal kind of reminded me of, of last weekend against Bournemouth, where we kind of switched off after the whole yeah. Lerma Chalaber thing, and then the long straight ball into a box, and then they put it in the back of the net, and we, we got away with one last night. Yeah, massively. Um, possibly Messina at fault there for for letting Wheeler past him like that. You know, he, he was he, Messina wasn't goal side, and Wheeler's, which has probably helped him out actually because the Lionel's put his flag up. But um, I think he got past the defence a bit too easily there. And as you say, Backman took one on the knee, and when when they zoomed in on it, oh Christ! Yeah, he, he'll be feeling a bit sore this morning. Uh, but thankfully, he was able to continue. Um, I'm. <laughs> I'm sure Rob Elliott's a decent enough keeper, but I'm just, yeah, let's let's not have any more injuries to goalkeepers, please. Um, but obviously, we got away with one there. And luckily, Ben, on the 57th minute, we um, we got the second goal. Zinkenagel with an assist, which will do in the world of good, along with a 90-minute performance. Slipped the ball through to Gray, and then Gray just had to put it away. Now, I say just had to put it away. We've seen in the past that Gray sort of used to struggle with them but maybe a sign of the confidence that he got from the first goal, because he was a busy boy last night. Um, but he put it away and got his seconds. And again, I'm absolutely delighted for him. But Zinkenagel as well, Ben, an assist for him. How's he going to be feeling? Well, I think it all came from Kiko, really. It was a great um, transition from defence to attack. It was a really quick counter-attack. Kiko had a quick look upfield, played the ball over the top. Um, Saw ran onto it like Kika and Saw do every game. They link up really well. Um, finds Zinkin Eagle, great first touch, um, gets out of his feet. And not many Watford players would even attempt this pass. Um, so I don't know what kind of vision Zinkin Eagle's got. Maybe you're not even 2020. Is it 30 30 vision or 40 40 <laughs> vision? I'm not quite sure. But what, what a pass to spot um, Andre Gray and fair play to Andre Gray as well. Like he kept himself on side. He, he was he was um expecting the ball to come through to him. Kept himself on side. He normally probably would be offside with um, what was going on the rest of the season. But that goal in the first half probably gave him confidence. So he stayed on side and yeah, fell to him. You would maybe see he would rush his shot normally, but yeah, very calm finish to slot it away. And that was actually his um. That's the first time he scored two goals in a game for three years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's it. So Brent, was it Brentford would have been the last or how long's he been with us now? Would he uh, been he's or... been with us for about three years. It's I think it's oh, possibly right. with us. Oh right, okay. And um it was also yesterday, um three years to the day. Uh yeah, three years to the day where he scored the last minute winner against Leicester at home. Brendan Rogers' first game as Leicester manager. And we beat them 2-1, Troy and Andre linking up perfectly. I was watching those highlights the other day and uh, I was thinking, God, those were the days when people used to want Troy and Andre to start together and want Javi Garcia to play 4-4-2. And then fast forward three years, <laughs> we're playing 4-4-2 with Troy and Andre and nobody wants it. So it, yeah, it does make you laugh. But yeah, delighted for Andre. Um, I'll ask you it now, Ben. Has he got a bit of a selection headache for Saturday against Forest? Because João Pedro's come back, obviously, in good form, scored nine goals this season. But would you drop a player that's just scored two and his confidence is going to be high? Will that damage his confidence if he doesn't play? What What would you do in that scenario? I'm just glad I'm not Cisco Munez. Um, <laughs> this is a really, really tough situation. Um just like the situation with the midfield that we're going to talk about as well. Um, really tough for him. Yeah. Don't want to be in his shoes, but you've put me under the bus and I've got to be in his shoes for this. Um, yes, Pedro's suspended. is going to come back for the Forest game. Do you want to kick out Andre Gray after he's finally hit form? He's got confidence. Um, you know what? Dropping Andre Gray after getting two goals could dent his confidence. So mm. I'm, I'm going to say 
stick with Andre Gray against Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Um, give him 60 minutes. If it's not working, give Joe Pedro f- f- half an hour to change the game. Yeah, I said that last night on WD18. A couple of the lads were maybe mentioning Pedro out on the left, which would mean that we rest, um, we'd rest Semma. Which Semma, okay. I think he I think needs it, doesn't he? I think Semmer needs a rest because yeah. another game where he wasn't really in, it was a... No, no, we didn't touch upon this when we said about the, t- the team at the start. I forgot about it, but Semmer starting again. Like, I have no agenda against Ken Semmer. Oh. Fantastic player. King Ken delivers assists and the goals of late, but he looks really tired at the moment. This is his third or fourth laggy performance now in a row. Um, and you can just see Munez starting him Saturday as well. Um, yeah. He's quite stubborn with the front three, isn't he? Um, he no one gets a rest. Um, I think even Stars played like 24 consecutive 90 minutes as well. Yeah. Mm. But it's, it's just it's just like, when do you give them rest? Like I thought last night last was a great night was opportunity. Perfect. Yeah, to yeah. give at least one of them a rest. Um, but maybe looking at it, you're thinking, was the Gosling injury, uh, ah. did that affect it? Because then Zinkunigel played in the centre. Mm-hmm. If Gosling was fit, he would have slotted in and then Zinkunigel would have been on the left or something. Then Semmer could have been rested. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, <laughs> we're just picking up loads of little niggly injuries at the moment, aren't we? And then yeah. the other players that are left behind are having the play. And this is where they're going to pick up injuries because they're not getting rested. Yeah, well, we'll talk about another injury in a minute, but you talk about players being rested and maybe subs that should have been made. 75 minutes, Ben, it was on the clock when the first sub was made. I, I don't know if you forgot that he usually makes his subs on 60 minutes. But um, and Gakia come on and Feminia come off. So Feminia got a bit of a rest. Granted, it was only, what, 15 minutes or so. But um, I'm sure he'll be playing a big part on Saturday as well. Jeremy and Gakia coming on. Um, I feel so sorry for Ngakia. You know, when he when we started yeah. the season, he was immense, uh, and he's a good player. And it really it really sort of does my head in to see these West Ham fans on Twitter say, "Oh, look, you know, he's not getting any game time at Watford. He should have stayed with us." He he's not because he's getting kept out the side. And Gakia is more than good enough. You know, I'll cast your minds back to our first few episodes of this season, Ben, and you know, we were talking about how he had the highest. Um, tackle percent rate in the division and or interception in the division or he was he was topping the charts for something and he's been kept out the side by Kiko Feminia who continues to put in performance after performance so it, he's a solid eight out of ten minimum every game this season I think um, it, it's fair to say so I'm glad that he got a bit of a rest and then Gakia come on because I'm sure Kiko will be featuring on a, on Saturday. Uh, and then another change which um, took place was Semmer had finally come off. Again, probably a bit too late to come off. So Semmer and Gray come off and Hungbo and Parizza come on. Ben, we've got a player on our hands with Joseph Hungbo, haven't we? I'm delighted for him. Um, I don't know if you've seen the reaction of him coming back into his dressing room last night. Yes. I think it's on WD18's Twitter feed. If no one's seen it yet, go have a look on there. He looks over the moon and the players are really happy for him. Um, Trucy Econ put out a tweet last night saying that um, he was buzzing for Hungbo as well. But yeah, I'm really pleased for him. Um, For a young lad to come in get his debut at Old Trafford. Hasn't featured since. It's been a couple of months since. Some players might have like lost a bit of faith thinking, oh, I'm not going to get back in. But he's knuckled down. He's worked hard. He's grafted. Um, he's put in a few under-23 performances. But he's been travelling with the first team every week. And he's learning all the time. And being close to the first team, I think, has really helped him. And then when he came on last night, it was the same like he, when he was at Old Trafford. Um, very positive on the ball. He looks hungry. He's only got one thing in his mind when he gets a ball. He just wants to take the ball forward. He's quick. I thought I thought Saar was a bit silly last night. Saar had like, a, we had a three-on-two opportunity and Hungo yeah. was free in acres of space on the left-hand side, but he, he picked the right-hand side instead. And it was just like, you could have feed it in Hungo there. He was in so much space and he could have ended up getting his first goal. But yeah, other than that, I thought it was a really good cameo performance from Hungbo. Um, I'm excited for him and I'm excited to see him for the rest of the season because I, I think he does warrant a spot on the bench and I think he is going to get more minutes for us. 
I, I completely agree. And, you know, not to forget as well that chance where he fizzed it in and Parizza was just shy of nodding oh, into inches. an open net. Yeah, so, but like you said, Ben, you've summed it up perfectly there. He gets on the ball and the only thing he wants to do, like Will Hughes, is get the ball forward. Um, you take off one speed merchant in Ken Semmer and you bring on another one in Joseph Hungbo. Very, very highly rated player and we've seen him why now. And hopefully he features a lot more this season. Um, what I like then... about him, he's confident. Like like we were just saying for that chance of Parizia, it wasn't like he just got the ball out of his feet and just crossed it into a box. He did a couple of stepovers there, got it away from a defender out of his feet and then whipped it in. And it was just a bit too much pace on it, I think. But to show confidence and stepovers on your home debut as well, it's like, we we got a kid on our hands here. We have indeed. Um, and the last substitution, which I think was an enforced one, I don't know whether we would have made it otherwise, uh, Ben Wilmot came on for Tom Cleverley. Now, Tom Cleverley isn't the type of player where if he's injured uh, or if he's tackled, he, he, he won't feign an injury, I think is what I'm trying to say. Uh, he looked in a lot of pain and discomfort yesterday and it was his knee. And he's obviously had a, a history with, with knee problems. Um, I've since found out that uh, last night, Kiko said, uh, not Kiko, um, Cisco said that he's having a scan on the knee just to see what the extent of the injury is. Cleverly's also put on Instagram another solid win tonight. Delighted for Andre with the brace. The knee feels not too bad sitting here, so hopefully the scan reflects that. That win was for Glen Roder, a man I've met a few times throughout my career and has helped. His advice has helped me massively in the early years of my professional football. Rest in peace, Glen. So, We've seen there that his knee, when he's just sitting there, doesn't feel as bad. But I'm a little bit worried about the sort of outcome of that scan because it did not look good, did it, Ben? No, he stood on a ball and then his knee kind of gave way underneath him. And then I think a Wickham player fell on top of him, which probably didn't help matters either. But massive, massive blow for Cleverly. And it's unfortunate as well. I, I don't know if I jinxed it, but watching the game last night, it got to about 60 minutes and I was thinking, oh, I haven't seen Tom Cleverly play this consistently <sighs> for absolutely ages since his first spell at the club because he always picks up little niggly injuries. Mm. And then 15, 20 minutes later, he stands in the ball and does his knee. And I oh, my heart was in my mouth for him. You could see in his face the pain it was oh, it was horrible to watch and to see how vital he is for Watford this season. Like he he makes Watford tick. He 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 sets the tempo. He 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 starts the press. Um, he starts getting the ball back and we can um start attacking from what Cleverly's doing and to have him out for potentially a long period. It, it's unbearable to think about, but hopefully it's not too bad. But it, it sounds positive what what Cleverly's saying on his Instagram, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It just reminds me of uh, it, Tom Daly Bastrew. Um, Tom yeah. Daly Bastrew did his knee at Reading. He um, attempted to carry on and then it went again. And then Tom Daly Bastrew walked off the pitch. He wasn't stretched off. And then cleverly walked off the pitch last night as well. And then we was all surprised the next day of when the scan came back saying he'd actually done his ACL. And it's like, wow, that was right. actually worse than we expected. And I'm just praying and praying that it's not the same for Tom Tom. Tom Cleverly, because if it is, that could affect us massively in the promotion push. Because without Tom Cleverly in our midfield, that takes them. That's like that's like losing Will Hughes, and we've seen how Will Hughes, him being absent from a Watford team, affects us. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not what we want whatsoever. And as you say, I'm praying it's not an ACL or anything long term. Um, and also as well, Ben, because the midfields, um, you know. Dan Gosling, how long is he going to be out? It's a minor hamstring. That's usually, what, one, two weeks? So he might not face Nottingham Forest. Um, you know, we'd, we'd have Zink and Argle. It might tempt... Ke- um, I keep saying Kiko. It might tempt Cisco <laughs> into playing a four-four-two. perhaps. We don't want to revert back not. to that. We do yeah. not want to revert back to that at all. So it might have to be Zink and Argle. Personally, I'd slot Wilmot in there. Wilmot's done that job before um, Udinese. We've seen him do it a couple of times for Watford uh, in his early days at Watford. So I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd be more than content with, like, obviously push comes to shove, I'd be more than content with putting Wilmot in there, 100%. But yeah, I, I wouldn't crossed, mind. 
He's all I wouldn't right. mind Wilmot slotting in. It's it's difficult, isn't it? Mm. I, like I say, like you say, I don't want us to revert back to four four two because if we Ooh. do, that kills our front three straight away because you get the best out of him in a four three three. You get the best out of Semra on the left, well, when he's rested as well, um, and and saw wide right in the four three three. Um, Wilmot to come in for me as well. I think him, him sitting in a number six role, um, the holding midfielder, I think would work for us. Like you say, he, he's played that role at Undanese. I think he's played a few appearances for Watford in previous seasons, slotting into that. I think him coming off off a bench at Spurs away when I was playing at Wembley. Um, I think the day before he actually got his Undanese move. Um, he hmm. he came on in midfield that day. Um. So, yeah, I think it's keep the midfield free. It's going to have to be Wilmot in the six, Shoesy maybe in the number eight role and Zink and Eagle in the 10. Um, so, yeah, you don't want to go back to 4 4 2. I completely agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 thank you. If you're listening, Cisco, no, thank you. Um, no comprende, por favor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, obviously. That was a, a little bit disappointing to to sort of end the match on, but we we got to the final whistle, two nil winners, sixty five percent possession, eleven shots in total, three on target, seven shots for Wickham, none on target, three corners each, four hundred and fifty two passes for Watford, and two hundred and forty passes for Wickham. They're not known as a passing side. Uh, I think overall, Ben, I think it was a comfortable enough win. Happy for Andre Gray will do his confidence a world of good. But I think the main thing was that we bounced back from Saturday. Saturday was a huge disappointment for everyone. Um, yes, it was Wickham. Yes, you would have us to win on paper. But we had to go out there and do the job. And we did it. We level on points with Brentford now because they lost to Norwich. Unfortunately, Swansea um, cheated in the last minute and dived and won a soft penalty against Stoke. So they've picked up another three points and they've still got two games in hand. But... Focusing on us, Ben, we did it. Job done. Back in the prom- uh, automatic promotion race. Yeah, it's the reaction we wanted. I don't think it's a performance that many Watford fans were expecting. I think Watford fans were expecting a three-four nil victory and put putting um, Wickham to bed, like um, James said last week in from the Watford Way in our podcast. He, he was going to put the final nail in the coffin. I thought that was a bit harsh. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it, it was just a routine performance last night. We got the three points. We got the clean sheet. Andre Grace picked up a brace. Fantastic for him. But also promising signs of Zeke and Eagle. He got his first start. He got an assist. He looked good on the ball. Um, he, he Here's another one who wants to just only do one thing with the ball, and that's to get the ball forward and then to find that, that uh, pass for Andre Gray was just fantastic but yeah very very promising signs and yeah liking the attacking interchange between the front three again it, even uh, Gray slotted in really well from Pedro I thought Gray's movement off the ball and linking up play was brilliant as well we we dominated possession and kept Wickham at an arm's length last night so uh, really pleased with three points yeah yeah absolutely and you know it, Going into Saturday, another tough game. We'll, we'll touch upon that now because we have got a few other topics and um, a few sort of transfer news and some injury news as well. But we'll touch on the next game now, Ben, briefly. Nottingham Forest at home. Uh, tough game. Chris Shooting sides always are. The return of Glenn Murray and James Garner, who you just know are going to score. Um, I sat down with Rish from the 1865 Forest Ramble podcast yesterday to get the feel from the Nottingham Forest camp going into the game. And uh, yeah, we spoke about the game. So this is what was said. I'm joined here by Rish from the 1865 Forest Ramble podcast to talk about the game on Saturday between Watford and Nottingham Forest as they visit us at Vicarage Roads. Now, Rish, starting with the man at the helm, Chris Hewton, he's been in charge for five months now. What's what's he brought to Forest and have things improved under him? Uh, I'm going to start with that last bit, actually, Mike. So, uh, have Forest improved? On the whole, yes, but we were pretty terrible at the start of the season. Mm. Um, it's worth uh, reminding ourselves that Forrest, basically from this point last year, 
all the way through to about Christmas time, New Year's time, have had one of the worst runs you could ever imagine. And in fact, we were the worst team in the division in the calendar year of uh, 2020, which is pretty impressive when you consider um, that actually we were near the top of the league at the start of the year. So I don't quite know how we managed that. Um, Has Hewton done a good job? I would say he was in a really difficult situation. I would imagine this is probably one of the most difficult jobs he's had because Forrest somehow managed to sign 12 players in the summer and make their squad significantly worse. And so he's had to deal with a total loss of confidence, players out of form and a disjointed squad during the COVID pandemic when the players can't get to know each other. And obviously the matches are coming so thick and fast, you barely get a chance to repair any problems. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, disjointed squads and you, we'll, we'll talk about a couple of squad members in particular at the moment that Watford fans will be very familiar with. It didn't quite work out for Glen Murray or James Garner at Watford. Uh, how would you assess their start at Nottingham Forest? Well, Murray's the easy one to talk about because he was more of a known quantity. Um Obviously, the big thing here is that Chris Hewton knows Murray inside out. He's the guy who signed him for Brighton. He put trust in him to do a job at Brighton, playing up front by himself in a certain system. And therefore, Hewton knew what he was getting. Uh, Murray has done a reasonable job. He's scored a couple of goals. He's struggled a little bit in terms of converting the chances uh, in the last couple of matches. But he still brings something to the Forest team that, that no one else does. And in fact, you know what? So does Garner. Um, The big problem for Forrest in the first half of the season, and I'm sure you noticed this in our match uh, at the City Ground, is that in the middle of the park, there was just absolutely no dynamism um, with the players we had. So we had Ryan Yates and Samba So and Jack Colback, and, and there was just nothing that was creative in there. So Ghana brings a speed of thought, a speed of movement and a bit of creativity that, that we were absolutely lacking. So I totally understand why you guys, uh, you know, were forced to let him go, but you know what, we're, we're able to use him and he brings something to our team. Yeah, it'll be weird. Watford fans listen to this podcast when it goes out um, on, on Thursday. They'll be uh, they'll be wondering if you're on about the same James Garner that we had. But listen, I, I, personally, I, I knew that you know, it'd probably work out better for him at Forest and, and fair play to him. And, you know, that it's just guaranteed that they're both going to score on Saturday. Um, talking of recent games, you last night, as we record this on a Wednesday, last night you were defeated 1-0 at home to Luton Town. Um, going into the game, you were possibly favourites, I would say. What, what went wrong last night? Was it just one of them games or...? Um, the same thing that has plagued us, uh, well, plagued us on Friday night in our big local derby against, well, derby. Yeah. Um, Forest just cannot convert chances or they cannot convert enough chances. So last night, Forest were dominant for the first hour. And then because they hadn't scored before half time, forced a couple of good saves out of the keeper. But they didn't score before half time. And therefore, Luton got their tails up. They scored the goal. And you know what? you could see Forrest get deflated as a result of that. And I think that's partly a result of where, as well of, of what happened on Friday night, where they had the lead, but they conceded late equaliser. And after that, it was Derby who looked more likely. So, I mean, in Forest matches all season, the first goal has been crucial. The team that scores the first goal tends to go on and get the result in Forest matches this year. So if we score first against you on Saturday, then yeah. I think that you're going to be in for a tough afternoon. If you score first against us, then I think that that's the way the game will swing. Yeah, you, you mentioned there a couple of times that, you know, with Forrest having problems converting enough chances, one man in particular, Lyle Taylor, has come under a bit of criticism from your fans um, with his performance. He's, he's got five goals in 34 appearances this, uh, this season. Is it just as simple as saying it's, it's just not clicking for him at the moment? Because we know all about struggles that can't convert because we've got Andre Gray and he's, yeah, he, he, he's, it's as simple as saying that Taylor just cannot, it's just not clicking for him. Or is there more um, to it? I mean, the Andre Gray parallel is an interesting one because obviously Andre Gray has been a really good striker at championship level in the past and he's played at Premier League. Um, So you know that he can score goals at certain levels. Whereas Lyle Taylor was a bit more of an unknown quantity. Um, He had a a decent season with a Charlton side that got relegated. And in fact, 
he was probably one of the best centre forwards, visiting centre forwards that came to the city ground last season, putting a really complete number nine performance. Mm -hmm. I think the problem with him, as with so many strikers, is confidence. He was Firstly, he was annoyed at not being in the team because Lewis Graben was number one. When he got a chance due to Graben's injury, he had a couple of good games. And then when it wasn't going right, you could see that his head's not quite in the game. He's He's got something there. Is he championship level? I think that there is something in there. Mm -hmm. But um, obviously, you've got to have everything clicking at once to make that step up and and at the moment it isn't and he looks a bit of a headless chicken when he does come off the bench yeah yeah well like so we know all about uh players that look a bit like that with a with a couple of players at our place but you you possibly alluded to it just going into the final question now you possibly alluded to it a minute ago but uh what are your score predictions and, and what are your thoughts heading into the game on, on saturday obviously watford have currently the best home record in the league and Forrest have sort of turned a little bit of a corner under Chris Hewton. So what, what are you expecting? And then what would your score prediction be? Um, I mean, I can see it either being 1-0 to Forrest or maybe 1-2-0 or two nil to Watford. I can't really predict <laughs> beyond that. I do yeah. think, obviously, you're the better team. Um, on, on the whole, you're having a decent season, even if there's, it's been a bit bumpy along the way. Um, you've probably got the better players because you've got that level of, of Premier League experience. Obviously, um, Saar is a top quality player and, um, and, and you know, had the price tag to match. Let's be, let's be fair with that. You're probably fed up of hearing it. Um, <laughs> Forest need things to be going right. So we have become more solid, more structured. We've become more, um, we've got more shape to the way we play. Uh, Individual errors still occasionally cost us, but when we haven't had results recently, it's not been because we've conceded soft goals in particular, it's because we haven't taken the chances that have come our way. So on Friday night and last night, um, Forrest would have got three points if they took their chances and then any goals that the opposition score would have been immaterial. Um, so so will you? are you the better team? Yes. Should you win it? Yeah, you probably should. Um, it just depends upon what Hewton manages to do with, you know, with the extra day um, before before the match itself. Yeah, well, that that will strike uh, the, the fear of God into a lot of Watford fans after you saying, should you win it? Yes. It, it doesn't always go to script with Watford, so it's going to be an interesting one. Either way, it sounds like it's going to be a close affair between uh, between Watford and Forest. But thank you very, very much for joining us, Rish. Like I said, Rish is from the 1865 Forest Ramble podcast. Make sure you go and check them out. They'll be uh, tagged in the podcast description as well. And uh, I'll be returning the favour for Rish on Saturday uh, with a, a little sort of match report myself. So make sure you go and check them out. But thank you very, very much, Rich, for your time this evening. And uh, yeah, let's hope for a close game, eh? Cheers, Mike. Thanks. No problem. So some interesting points there. They they sound a lot like us in the respect of, well, in the earlier days, um, they need a lot of chances to put away a goal. And he said the same about Glenn Murray as well. Um, how are you feeling going into this one, Ben, knowing that they've got them to, are, are, you, are you actually wary of those two putting in the performances in their life? to prove a point yeah yeah massively they're going to have a bit in their belly they, they're going to want to come to Vicarage Road and put a performance in and show what for what they're actually missing and I think mm. we could have maybe needed James Garner at the weekend with all our injury <laughs> problems in midfield I'm still surprised we didn't really get a replacement for him especially with sending out uh, Quinner out on loan as well we've left us massively short in midfield so we are missing James Garner at the moment so I hope they don't come back to haunt us but you just know it's going to happen isn't it It always happens with Watford ex-players coming back and they've got a point to prove so I'm, I hope I'm proven wrong but Forrest they're, they're a difficult team to play at the moment I think they're a bit hit and miss I thought they yeah. had a better run coming into the game but looking at it they've only won two out of their last six games and then they've not run one for two uh, three games now um, and then they lost to Luton at home the other night I think a game they dominated and they just couldn't really score um, so I don't know what they're like away from home, but I'm just hoping our home form edges this one for us, even with our midfield problems, um, injury issues at the moment that we've got. I just hope we edge it. It's going to be a difficult game, but 
believe in the process, I'm going to say. Um, Watford will go out and pick up the three points. What's the, uh, what's the score going to be, Ben? Uh, I'll go for 2 0 Watford again. 2 0 Watford. It, it, this is it, man. Like I was saying last night, as soon as we play at home, I just have this aura of confidence straight away. Uh, 41 points we've picked up at home this season, the most out of anyone. We were the uh, top goal scorers in the league at home, but Brentford seemed to have equaled that on 34. Um, we're both on 34 now. I would assume that Norwich have now picked up double figures wins at home as well because they're on 38 points. But out of the 17 games we've played at home, we've scored first in the 15 of them. That is absolutely nuts. You just talked about Forrest's away form there, Ben. We think ours is bad. 22 points out of 17 games. They've picked up 19 points out of 17 games away from home. So, you know, it's, it's a... Um, I think it's going to be another close encounter. I'm not expecting us to go out there and completely blow Forest out of the water, but uh, I'm expecting a turn sort of test and um, we need to keep Glen Murray quiet, you know, stick Truce to Kong or stick Sierra Elter on him and I'm sure we'll be absolutely fine um, because as you rightly picked up in your research for the Forest game, Lyle Taylor's not really playing a tune at the moment. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's make sure we keep him. I'm going to go with... Do you know what, Ben? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go 2-0. And if Andre Gray starts, I think Andre is going to score. And I think, let's give Saar one as well. So Saar and Gray are going to score and it's going to be 2-0. My, my opinion may change closer to the time. Uh, but the stat pack for that game will be out today at 12 o'clock. Today is Thursday, the 4th of March. So it'll be out at 12. So keep your eyes peeled on that. And as I said, Ben, We've got some transfer news to finish off on and some injury news. You mentioned about a centre midfielder coming in. Um, well, I've got some news for you in a minute and you know anyway because you sent me these, so I don't know what I'm on about. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, the main one, which excites me, even regardless of how old he is now, Ashley Young is ready to leave Inter Milan this summer when his contract is up and he's willing to return to Watford, irrespective of whether in the Prem or the Champ. Now, he scored 22 goals in 110 games for us and he left for Aston Villa in 2007. 9.65 million, the transfer was at the time, was, um, was I think it was a record that we'd got for a player. And yes. I think as well, if my memory serves me correctly, we had a clause when Aston Villa sold him we would get any money up to 9.65 million. So if they sold him for 20 million, we would get any money above the 9.65 million. There was a clause, basically. We got some money from him moving to Man United. But we put that on, um, we put that on, where well, you put it on Instagram, on our Instagram, Ben, and mixed bag, really, of reactions. Personally, I'd welcome him back with open arms. Yeah, I'd love him to come back, bring him home, I say. Um, he, he's got the passion, he's got Watford at his heart still. I think he's a better left-back than Adam Messina and also <laughs> Lazar that we've brought in as well. So I think he could come in and do a good job at left-back. And we were saying we'd want a new left-back for next season. And, and look, he, he can score set-pieces. He scored a few for uh-huh. Inter Milan this scored season. Against, so. scored a few against us as well. He has done, but at least we would be able to score a free kick. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, do you know what made me laugh? It was Jordan Stewart's birthday yesterday, if you saw on uh, oh, yeah, social yeah. media. And he retweeted our tweet, wishing him a happy birthday. And uh, he said, like, it was all about the celebration. And then a Watford fan commented, um, was that the last time we scored a free kick? And I said, it feels it, doesn't it? And Jordan Stewart liked both of those. So he's obviously aware of our free kick worries at the moment. But I'd welcome, I'm welcoming back with open arms. Um, you know, he had a shining review from Marlon King on that post we put out as well, Ben. Yeah, and when we interviewed Marlon King, if you've not listened to it yet already, we interviewed Marlon King during the last international break and he was full of praise of Ashley Young saying he was the best players ever played with. Yeah. And they got up to a lot of mischief and uh, and he was a bit of a joker, even though he was a, he was a young lad. He was a bit of a joker when he was at, um, playing for Watford when he was a youngster. Uh, but I just want to say, it feels if we bring back Ashley Young, how many ex-United players have we got in that squad? Uh, ben Foster, oh, yeah. Tom Cleverley, uh, Craig Cathcart, it'll be Ashley Young, uh, any more we got? Uh, not to the best of my knowledge, no. Um, it's like the band's getting back together. Yeah, we got like a Manchester, almost some Delhi Bashiris from Man City, uh, so could be on for a Manchester 11 at some stage. Uh, but yeah, no, we, we do like the manual loans over the years. Danny Weber, uh, 
Jimmy Davis, God rest his soul. Um, Eagles. Eagles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kuchak, great goalkeeper. They've yeah, really good, good keeper. Good keepers over the years, to be fair. Um, Danny Drinkwater we've had. Uh, he he was, uh, meh, he was okay. Um, Piss water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then moving on to the next transfer target, we've been linked with Ben. You mentioned there about a centre mid. Well, never you mind, never you worry, Ben. Thirty-five-year-old Colombian midfielder Carlos Sanchez is supposedly meant to be joining on a free transfer from a few sources. Um, not sure how true that is, but at the moment, I'll take anyone. I'll take you know what's. Is Ben Watson still at Charlton? I'll take him again. Um, like we, we need centre mids in. I think last night's injury sort of highlighted that to us, uh, that we're desperate for them. A lot of mixed reviews on this one, obviously, because he's 35 years old. Uh, he used to play for Aston Villa and um, West Ham, and he's capped for Colombia as well. I, uh, I messaged a mate of mine called Dan Thomas, who's a Aston Villa fan, and um, I said, should I get excited? With, and I screenshotted the, the tweet saying that we're set to sign him. And he said, we'll do a good job, Good, uh, we'll do a job, good strength and work rate, passing is his weakness. Uh, and I was like, mm, for midfielder, I'm a bit worried if passing is his weakness. Uh, but I, he, he said he would be a good addition for the next few months, to be fair, with Saturday, Tuesday games, and that he's a defensive midfielder as well. Um, so... Yeah, but I think it's at that stage now, Ben, where we'll take anyone, won't we? You know, he's he's got experience. He's got the international experience. He's got experience in the Premier League. So, you know, he's he's done something right in his career. So, would would you take him at the moment? Like you say, I think we'll take anyone at the moment. I think yeah. if you look at our bench last night, we had three under 23 players on the bench last night I yeah, think we did. Uh, Pochettino's lad was even on the bench last night um, Barrett so as well Barrett as well as, as well as Hungbo so it just shows that we're really lacking in that midfield spot so you can probably see why uh, Watford are looking at bringing in Carlos Sanchez the only worry for me is his age and yeah. he, he, he picked up an ACL last season at yeah. West Ham and then he he got released from West Ham in the summer, and he's not been with a club. Um, supposedly he's fit and ready to play, but thirty five year old just had an ACL. He's not played football since maybe a year or so. It's it's a massive massive gamble. I would maybe rather give the likes of well play play Wilmot in the middle and just have Dan Phillips on the bench and Pochettino. What's uh, going on with Dan Phillips? You know, because he, apparently he doesn't Cisco get a game in the under twenty threes. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, I has he got an understand. injury or? He must do. He must do. But the club have been very quiet on it. Very quiet. So I feel maybe so we, sorry for him. Maybe we should message Elliot, who we've had on um, yes. as a guest before, who also works at WD18 and Vibe FM. Maybe we'll drop him a message and ask, get him to ask about Dan Phillips because, yeah, absolutely. he's getting very short in that midfield and we've not seen anything of him of late. No, absolutely not. So, like you say, bit of a risk with him having an ACL last season, Carlos Sanchez, but at the moment we'll take any centimetres. And it's about time, um, a, you know, West Ham owed us because Dawson wasn't having the best of times at Watford. We send him on loan to West Ham and he certainly turns into prime Maldini. Um, so <laughs> it's it's about time, you know, if West Ham, if we're going to take a, a West Ham cast off, you know, hopefully he turns into, you know, Perlo or something. Um, but we, we will see. Um Another bit of information, which um, not really transfer or injury related, the Jamaican Football uh, Federation president, Michael Ricketts, who I believe used to be a footballer himself. I think he played for Bolton. I think he's, he was... he's got like one cap for England, hasn't he? Oh, has he? Oh, yeah, okay. I think one cap wonder. I think he was. I think he was a football agent. He knows Troy very well, um, but basically, he's listed Andre Gray as one of several players from England applying for a Jamaican passport. Um, so there's Mikel Antonio, Max Ahrens from Norwich, Isaac Hayden, Newcastle, Mason Holgate from Everton, Nathan Redmond from. Um, Southampton, although I'm not sure that that'll work because Redmond's been cut for England. Uh, Ivan Tony from Brentford, Liam Moore from Reading, and Kemar Roof from Rangers. Uh, they've all applied for Jamaican passports to uh, to play for Jamaica. And funnily enough, I was watching an Instagram live the other week with Marlon King and uh, Danny Haynes, and they were talking about Jamaica and how nobody sort of that, that Jamaica need to start 
blooding through some of these, you know, talents over in England and trying to get them to play for Jamaica because apparently the facilities over there are rubbish. Uh, you're eating sort of soup soup for breakfast. They were talking about all sorts about the set up for Jamaica and how they don't really look after the facilities. So this is a real statement from Jamaica because there's some talented players on that list. So maybe well, one, to, one to watch. I'm surprised they haven't done it before. Like we've seen with Nigeria, they tap into it straight away. Yeah. They've got loads of English players that play from because um, of the, the heritage that they've got, like the father's Nigerian Victor or Moses, something. I think so, he's one of them, isn't he? Yeah, Victor Moses and look, Truce Econ. He yeah. he's um, he he's um, was born over in Holland, wasn't he? But I think he's one of his family's um, Nigerians, so that's how he's eligible to play. But yeah, I'm surprised Jamaica haven't done that before. And that that list of players you've just listed off, they're really really good players and that would improve the Jamaican side completely and it look it could improve Andre Gray playing getting more minutes yeah, yeah. And representing the country as well and yeah it'll be good for him um, especially with him high on confidence at the moment so yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't um wouldn't have any problems with Andre Gray representing Jamaica no definitely not and um it, it makes me wonder personally um how far back in the generation you can go with these uh, applying to passports and all that because um, what do you think you're eligible? <laughs> not for not for Jamaica. Um, uh, this is a true story. My mum's nan is Indian, so I'm like a sixteenth Indian. Um, so yeah, if there's any Indian Federation football sort of scouts listening, uh, tap me <laughs> up in the DMs and we'll we'll work something out and maybe I can play for India nationally. Who knows? Um, but yeah. Moving to the injuries and obviously the last part of the show now, um, we had an update ahead of the game last night about the injuries. Uh, ben Foster's begun light training, as we saw on the Cycling GK. Uh, we're not going to talk about that because he's got a lot of stick recently as well. Uh, but we, we don't talk negative stuff like that on here. So he's begun light training, um, which he hasn't. he's been absent since the 2nd of Jan. I can't believe it's been that long. Um Christian Cabaselli's still working in the gym as he recovers from a knee injury sustained in December against Huddersfield. Mark Navarro remains unavailable due to a hamstring injury with treatment ongoing for the fullback and he last appeared on the 6th of Feb. And then Troy Deeney is facing a spell on the sidelines after a scan revealed the Achilles tendon damage, which is a painful, painful sort of injury. Uh, I used to, when I used to referee, I had no end of problems with my Achilles. Um, and he's got a second scan scheduled with the next couple of weeks me and Ben touched on it in the last one um, I, I I don't like to say it out loud but I think we may have seen Troy um, we, we may have already seen his last appearance in a Watford shirt uh, and then let's end the pod on some positive news Ben um, a guest on Hive Live last night and uh, himself Mr Tom Bashiru. his rehabilitation is, um, is coming along really well, he's now back full time training uh, well, he's full-time at the training grounds following the ACL he picked up at Reading in October. I can't believe it was back in October. Um, but that's absolutely superb news, Ben, because he, uh, he looked a real, real live wire, didn't he? Yeah, he looked upbeat last night on High Five as well. So it was good to see him um, back involved with Watford, even though it was in the the High Life studio. But yeah, he, he's a live wire. I liked uh, Todd, Tom Daly Bastry. I don't think many people would have thought that going into the season that he would maybe be a standout player. But when he started getting going, he put in three, four good performances in back to back, and it was like, oh, we got a player on our hands here. And then it was just unfortunate um, that he picked up that injury at Reading because before he got injured, we were dominating in that game at Reading we was looking dangerous and we was going to go, probably go on to win that but then he picked up the injury and it, we kind of stumbled and went on to lose that and we, we've missed him massively since he's been injured so I'm, I'm glad he's um, on the road to recovery I just hope they don't rush him back I yeah. hope they just I hope we probably I hope we don't don't need him um, so it gives him more time to recover and come back stronger next season. I don't want him to come back and like pick up another niggly injury or another setback because that would be a massive dent for him being so young as well to pick up another injury. So, yeah, I just hope they, they take his time with him. I'm sure Watford will. Hmm. 
yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they will. Uh, he's in good hands, hopefully. And I think he said that last night. He said that that's one thing he wanted to stress because Richard Johnson said not to rush back, and he said, you know, the the medical staff don't want to rush him back, so that's good. But uh, another real player on our hands next season. The future is looking bright. Um, so yeah, that's that's um, that that's us for for this this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I'd sound like a broken record, but really, the fact that we're now at the moment. Uh, in a position to be able to put a podcast out at the weekends and then midweek for the midweek games um, is incredible. And the viewing figures on all of them are absolutely incredible as well. Uh, The follows we've picked up, the interaction you guys give us, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it really does mean a lot. We wouldn't literally be able to do it if you guys guys didn't interact or didn't listen. Um, So we want to thank you so much for that. Um, Can I just say something quickly as well? Um, The floor is yours. Yeah, a massive thank you to everyone who's been listening. And obviously the viewers and the listeners have been increasing and increasing every week. And the social media your size getting bigger as well but i just want to say me me and my car are looking to get sponsorship for the podcast um so it'll be it'll be brilliant if anyone knows of anyone who wants to sponsor the podcast and um, just get in touch or companies that me and mike could go after and try and get sponsorship so if you've got any companies that you're you think that might be good for what uh, sponsoring us just let us know drop us a dm and that and we, we'll chase it up because that's the next step for the podcast now um Absolutely. we'd love to get sponsorship in now to help us um improve the podcast and give you more content yeah absolutely and, and just off the back of that you know even if they're a, a small little source sort of small local business we know how hard times have been um alongside a sponsorship we don't mind giving a few shout outs to local businesses if it helps them um you know if if you know any in the Watford area I, I I know plenty around here but unfortunately they're not going to benefit from from the majority of fans listening from Hertfordshire and around the area but if you know any local businesses let us know we'll be happy to give them a shout out because obviously times have been tough um but yeah I'll echo exactly what Ben said if you know any people that might want to sponsor us hit us up whether it's the podcast account or whether it's our joint whether it's our individual um, Twitter accounts as well uh, drop us a DM, we do not bite. Um, but yeah, myself and Ben will be back on Sunday to talk about the Nottingham Forest game and hopefully another three points. We'll also be looking ahead to the Cardiff game, which I am absolutely bricking it for. Uh, and then also, we've got a few special guests lines up for the next few shows. Uh, the special guest for Sunday will be revealed tomorrow. Uh, we'll be putting a post out for that. Uh, and then we've got another special guest for, um, it's either going to be the Cardiff or Birmingham game. We, we're not sure yet. We're going to on those details out in weeks to come but yeah um i'll just go on what i said again thank you so so much for continuing to listen enjoy the rest of your week stay safe the 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 near the the finish line is in near sight hopefully with the coronavirus and hopefully back to normal life soon but uh stay safe and come on you ones Podcast Network.